Hey everybody, and welcome to Kensington Online. My name is Patrick, and we're so glad that you've decided to join us today. And if it's your first time watching, uh, we just want to say a special welcome to you. Um, for us, we talk a lot about being able to understand and learn a little bit more about our church. And so if you have any questions, uh, one of the best places that you can find out more information about us is on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter pages. So we would love for you to follow us there. You can reach out to us there uh, as well. And you can also find us at KensingtonChurch.org, uh, and that's online. You can find us uh, all the information about what's happening here, uh, and really both at our campus, and our campus is in Metro Detroit and Orlando as well. Today we are continuing our series called Crave. What we've said over the last few weeks is that we all have appetites, and those appetites only crave one word, and that is more. So today we're going to be talking about the appetite that we have towards technology and how we manage that in our lives. Well, I think we're about to get started. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you right back here in just a moment. Where would I be? 
cool way to start off the service. Can anyone tell me who does that song? Coldplay, very good. That's a song called Talk. And it, did you guys notice the story in the video about how the two brothers are using technology and music to connect? And it's such a great setup for what we're going to be talking about today as we're going to be talking about digital devices and how technology can both help and hinder us in terms of communicating and connecting with other people. So you have picked a really great service to be here today and to join us, and I'm sure this is going to be hard-hitting and relevant for every single person uh, in this room. So welcome to Kensington. My name is Mike, and if this is your very first time joining us at Kensington, welcome and thank you for being here. We're going to spend about 70 minutes together. We're going to have some more music. Patrick, our lead pastor, is going to be uh, giving today's message. And if you're wondering, like, okay, what's next? So I'm here. What do I do next? We've got kind of like a mini website that we'd like to invite you guys to go to. And you can do it now if you want. You can use your digital device. Go to startingpoint.today. So that's the extension. Not .com, but .today. So startingpoint.today. Today and just kind of tell us where you are and what we can do uh, for you. So I got three quick announcements for you guys. These are all in your programs, by the way. First thing I want to share with you is our short-term mission trips here at Kensington. We are committed to going out into the world and showing the light of Jesus Christ, not only um, in America domestically, where we'll go to like New York City and Panama City, but we go all over the world to places like Nepal and South Africa and Kenya, Dominican Republic, Haiti, and take it from someone who's been to Haiti five times, short-term mission trips will absolutely rock you and change the way you view all of this. And I'll admit, I was scared to death the first time I went to Haiti, but I am so happy I did it. So if you've ever thought about a short-term mission trip, I would invite you to go to our, web our website, kensingtonchurch.org. There's a list of all the short-term mission trips and when they are, if you have any questions, I know it can be a little scary, but if you have any questions, we'll be happy to answer those questions for you. And if going all over the world might be a little bit too much for you, or you just want to serve locally as well, Kensington has a partnership with Safe Harbor. And Safe Harbor's mission is to serve the homeless people in our community. And Kensington is bringing a small army of volunteers to Safe Harbor. They have a brand new facility downtown, and we're going to be there the third week in February. And thank you to everyone who has already signed up to volunteer, but we have seven more shifts available that we need to fill, and we're hoping to do that today. Now, all of these shifts happen to be overnight, so they're from 8.30 p.m. to 6.30 a.m. Now, if you're like me, you're probably thinking, how am I going to stay up all night? You don't have to. You can sleep. We just have short shifts where you can be available in case somebody needs you. And the people that serve at Safe, Har uh, at Safe Harbor generally tell us that the overnight shifts are the funnest, and they're just really chill, and so there's beds or showers if you need something in the morning. And if you uh, want to sign up or if you want more information, see Jamie Hall. She is out in the lobby after the service. And then one quick announcement, Wednesday is Render. It's at 7 o'clock in the student ministries uh, 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 room across the hallway. And what Render is, is our monthly midweek worship service. So a ton of music. Patrick does an abbreviated message. And then there's built-in time to connect. So this is a great night to just kind of make a bigger church feel a little bit smaller. You don't have to sign up. Just show up Wednesday night 
at 7 o'clock. All right, you guys, we're going to get started. Before we go any further, though, I am going to invite you to please stand. And I want you to turn to someone around you and share with them, do you have an iPhone or an Android and why? Hey everybody, this is Patrick, and I just wanted to say thanks again for watching our service today online and being a part of this community. Now we know that you might have some questions as you watch the service today and want to find out a little bit more information about who we are. And so we've created an environment for you to do just that. Simply go to startingpoint.today, that's startingpoint.today, and fill out that short form, and one of our staff members will reach out to you very shortly and answer any questions that you have about our church and about who we are. Again, thanks so much for watching. We'll be back at the end of the service today. Uh, to give you a little bit more information, but we'll see you here in just a few minutes. I was buried beneath my shame Who could carry that kind of weight it was my turn till I met. I was breathing the night alive. All my failures would try to hide. It was my turn. Till I'm there. All right, let's sing this together. You call, you call my name. Come on, and I ran out of that. Would you get your hands up and clap like this? Even you back row, you guys can feel free to do this. Let's sing it together. I needed rescue, my sin was heavy. 
beautiful name it is 
if it's your first time or you haven't been to our church before, I want to tell you one thing real quick. And this is, this is what I love so much about us. If you're wondering, like, why did they get so excited about that song, right? The thing that we know about every single person in this room, whether we're a follower of Jesus, not a follower of Jesus, new to faith, you know, wherever you are on the spectrum, is that we all know that we're broken. And we believe so deeply in our hearts that our freedom and the brokenness, that, that the healing of that brokenness has only come through Jesus Christ. And, uh, and so that's why we get so passionate. And that's why Annie was laughing. Didn't Annie do a phenomenal job? Oh, my God. It's weird to me. I love bragging about this for the record, too. You can go ahead and have a seat. Bro. You can go ahead and have a seat. I love saying that she's only been leading worship for like 12 months. Isn't that crazy? Like, it's just, she's just, it's an amazing thing. She's just, it's so great. So, hey, uh, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, my name is Patrick, and I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, we're just so glad that you decided to join us today. Uh, and again, if it's your first time, uh, we just wanted to say welcome. Uh, I feel like over the last few minutes, you've just gotten a perfect glimpse of what we believe about you and what we believe about God uh, and what God wants for you as well. And so, again, we're just so glad that you're here. Um, today, um, as you looked on your seats, I think we have a card for you. I want you to go ahead and do this. If you'll pull this out, uh, this is everybody in the room, if you would. So even if you're a guest, uh, I'd love for you to pull out that card, and there's a pen right next to you. Um, let me tell you about this. Uh, every six months or so, uh, what I like to do is I like to just figure out a little bit more about you. So you come in week in and week out. We have, you know, roughly around 1,000, 1,200 people that come in and out of our doors, you know, that sort of thing. And, uh, and so, you know, you come in, and you kind of get anonymous. You might know some people, but... Uh, but we want to get to know you a little bit. And so if you would, uh, go ahead and pull that out. And I would just ask just for the next couple minutes that everybody would just fill this out. There's like, I think, eight or nine questions. It's super simple. It's anonymous. We're not really trying to get any information from you other than just a couple of things about you. Um, and so if you would, just go ahead and take that out. You can fill it out uh, over the next few minutes. And then I would say this. Uh, we're actually asking you to uh, not just like one for a family. So every single person, right, that's with you today, if you wouldn't mind just filling that out. And if you're a guest, uh, that'll help us too, just to track um, a little bit about like who you are. So I think the question's on there. I think we have a picture of it, right? So we're asking like your gender, uh, your relationship status, how long you've attended, uh, do you regularly attend church somewhere else, and then we want to know how many kids you have. Uh, we, we topped it off at six. So if you have more than six, just put pray for me, whatever that is. So that'd be great. Um, that's fine. You know, all that kind of stuff. So if you would, just fill that out. Um, and then once you do, just keep it with you. Uh, we're going we're gonna to receive our offering here in just a few minutes, and you can just put it in the, in the little basket as it can, comes by uh, here in a second. And also, I'm sorry, it's not like a frog today. Apparently, there's like a, a cold going around, and I got all, all of them, so it's great. Um, but anyway, so you do that. The other thing I want to tell you, too, if it's your first time, uh, a lot of people are like, I would love to learn more about your church. I would love to just to know a little bit more about what's going on. Or maybe you've attended for a month, or you've been here for a, you know, a couple months, and you're like, hey, I want to take a next step and just learn more about what's going on. Uh, so we have an environment for you in the lobby called Starting Point. Uh, our team's always out there every single week, uh, really before and after service. Uh, so you can always go out there and meet people, uh, but if you're introverted like me, I don't really like, that doesn't excite me to go meet somebody and talk to, you know, that sort of thing. So uh, here's what we did. Uh, in light of my introvertedness, uh, we decided we have a, a website that you can go to as well. So you can go to startingpoint.today on your phone, right? Startingpoint.today on your phone. Uh, it's going to ask you a couple of questions just about you and, uh, and really like in a space on there for you to ask any questions that you want to. The beauty of this is that we're going to fill that out. Uh, you can ask any questions you want to. We'll email you back the questions, but then also one of our staff will give you a call. Um, that'll either be me or, or 
our campus director, Greg Ruby. And the beautiful part about that is if you're an introvert like me and you don't want to talk to us, you just screen the call. So it's great, right? And then you just get an answer over email. So, uh, so really, that's for all the introverts in the room. But you can go to startingpoint.today, startingpoint.today, uh, and find out a little bit more about our church. So I want to go ahead and ask our ushers to move forward. Hopefully you guys have filled out that card already. Um, but uh, we're going to ask them to move forward. You can drop that card uh, in the offering, uh, offering basket as it comes by. Uh, the other thing I was going to tell you is we just, again, want to say thank you so much for partnering with us week in and week out and, and giving. Uh, we were at the leadership gathering downstate this past week, and uh, we were just kind of seeing all that God is doing at Kensington. And, and, and so some of these numbers are, are just crazy. Uh, we've planted uh, 59 churches, right? And a couple of those churches we've planted in the last year, uh, which has been amazing. We've been a part of helping to fund, get these off the ground. In fact, one of the speakers this past week was a guy um, that we had kind of helped launch his church. Uh, the other thing that I always like to talk about is we're able to reach a little over half a million people globally uh, through our 11 uh, partnerships all over the world. Again, because people like you give and because you serve. And, and so we just want to say thank you so much for doing that. And then we always say this too, you know, a big part of just being a part of our church community is we, we ask you on the giving side, we also ask you with serving. And so one thing that I wanted to let you know about is, um, and this is so much fun, this is part of the reason we do these surveys too, but over the last, uh, over the last 12 months, uh, we have grown significantly in our K-Kids department. Uh, now, part of that's because you keep having babies, uh, but we did a sex series a few months back, so maybe we'll just attribute that to all that. Um, but um, so, so you just have babies. So our preschool environment just exploded over the last 12 months, which is amazing. But not only has that happened, our elementary environment has exploded. In fact, uh, just so you know, we have eight campuses all over, you know, Metro Detroit here in Orlando, our K-Kids environment has grown faster than anything else in all of Kensington, right? This is amazing. And we've just attracted so many young families. So here's what we're we're saying to you. Uh, As part of that, in our model, and I've told you this several times, uh, for us, we want every family to have a a partner uh, that walks alongside a season of life with them, um, who is a small group leader or someone who serves consistently in those environments. And so the beautiful part is we've grown exponentially. The tough part about that is we've outgrown in terms of number of kids, the number of volunteers we have to, to pull off our vision for that. And so what I'm going to ask you to do, I know we, we talk about this a lot, but if you've ever had a nudge towards, you know, kid ministry or uh, serving back there, or if you're ever like, you know what, I love kids, but the thought of serving back there, that scares me. That's okay too. We have coffee for you. It's great. Um, and other things, just kidding. So we have that. So here's what I would tell you, right? Here's what I would tell you when it comes to that. If you have any of those like inklings, or I would love to, to be a part of that, uh, you can find out more information on our info uh, station outside. You can go to volunteerkensington.org. Uh, you can do that as well, or volunteerkensington.com. Uh, but we would just ask you to maybe partner with us or consider partnering with us in one of those K-Kids environments so that every single child, so I want you to know why, every single child that comes through our doors, right, has another adult other than a parent who speaks into their lives and is echo what is being said at home, right? So our hope for you as you have kids that come through our environments is that you're saying things at home, but then there's another person coming alongside of your son or daughter, daughter echoing those same things because you know this like I do. At some point, your son or daughter, they're going to love you, but just like you did, you're going to turn out your parents at some point, right? By the time you get fourth, fifth grade, you're going to do that. And the, the value of having another person coming alongside you and echoing that uh, is so important. So if you're interested in that, we would love to invite you to do that. Uh, and the last thing I want to tell you is this. We are uh, right smack 
dab in the middle of a series called Crave. And if you've been here the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been talking about a lot of fun things. It's been one of my favorite series that we've done. Uh, we talked about our free rule the first week. Uh, last week, we talked about addiction and what that looks like. Uh, but today, we're going to talk about something that I think affects all of us, either directly or indirectly. Uh, we're going to be talking about technology um, and the digital world and how we, how we manage in those spaces. So um, here's what I want to tell you. We've got a video for you to get us thinking about it. Um, but before we jump into it, I feel like I have one question to ask you. How many of you remember uh, like eight track tape things or is that you remember that? Yeah, that's great. How many of you remember the first Apple computer? Anybody remember that? Yeah, because we don't care about the other ones. We only care about Apple, right? So there's that. I'm just kidding, right? So here's what we're going to do for the next few minutes. I want to take you on a very quick journey of where technology in the digital age has gone just over the last 50 to 75 years into where we are today so we can all remember where we've come from over the last little bit. So let's watch this video together. So I know the 11 o'clock is the fun crowd and the honest crowd. Is that right? Are you the fun and honest crowd? Is that right? All right. So real quick, how many of you ever been laying in bed at night next to your spouse with your cell phone wide open? Anybody out there? Yeah. How many of you did that last night? Don't lie. <laughs> I'm raising my hand with you. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's this thing about technology that's so interesting um, is that it's really kind of found its way into every part of our lives, relationship and marriage and friendships that we have with each other. Uh, And so today we're going to talk about technology. Now, here's what I want to do before we even jump into the talk or even the recap or anything that we've done so far uh, with that. Here's what I want to do is some of you, you, when you hear the word technology or you see an iPhone or something, most people are in one of two camps. And so I want to go ahead and call those camps out right off the bat. And tell you how I'm going to fail miserably at, at you know at, at being on your side today. So here's what we're going to do. All right, so let's talk about technology for a second. There's two schools of primary thought when it comes to technology, and 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 it really doesn't even depend what age you are. It's all across the spectrum. There's really two views of it. Some people are going to want me today to stand up here and say that technology is the best thing in the whole world. Like your 14 year old daughter is waiting for me at some point to look at you as a parent and go, you know what, you should let her spend all the time she wants on technology and text all the boys she wants, right? Because it's the best thing ever. You know, like that, you can't do that with a cold, sorry. All right, so you got that, it's the best thing ever. There's a whole other group of you in the room, right? And what you've done is you, you know, all that technology and their phone connects to the internet and, you know, you're, you're rocking your Razor phone still and I love that. I had a Razor too and yours doesn't and you, you don't even really text message because all technology like that is what? It's bad, right? Like you don't want that and what you want me to do over the next few minutes is to stand up here and say all technology is bad and, you know, everybody should abstain from being on their phone and then you're looking at me and going, but he's young. He's a millennial, you know, and you're doing that and what you're feeling over these next few minutes is you're waiting for me to say it's all bad, but in your mind you know that that's not going to happen, right? So, so what I want to do is say this before we jump into the talk. If you walked in today and you think technology is the best thing in the world and you want me to convince everybody else that technology is the best thing in the world, I'm going to let you down miserably, but I'm going to do it in the first 30 seconds, so we'll be in that together. Or if you want me to say that technology is bad and everybody should abstain and we should all burn our cell phones and that, you know, Apple's bad... I'm not going to ever say that. You know, that sort of thing. I'm just telling you right off the bat, I'm not going to say that either, right? So what we're going to do over the next few minutes is we're going to talk about how to pro- pro- approach technology in a healthy way. And how you can, can look at your life and be engaged in technology in, in a way where hopefully it doesn't cause you the kind of pain that some of us have seen in other people. And then you can engage in technology in a way where there's enough boundaries that are easy to apply or habits that you can apply that ensure that you still experience the kind of relationships, the kind of freedom from insecurities that we all find online. Now, before we jump into all that, though, excuse me, I want to get us all caught up on the same page. If it's your first time, we approach our series kind of like a Netflix TV show. So we take one idea over the course of three or four weeks, we unpack it in different ways. And so what we've been saying over the last three weeks is one consistent thread. We've been talking about your appetites. And we say that all of us have appetites. We know that we have appetites. And those appetites are incredibly important for us to think about and manage uh, because if we don't, our lives can get kind of haywire. But we all have different appetites uh, and they're connected to our hearts. And then we said this, that appetites only know one word. Do you guys remember what that word is? Can you yell it out? More, right? Appetites only know one word. And I prove that to you by telling you that when you go to the omelet shop and they say, do you want more bacon? Your response is, yes, it is. Give me some more bacon, right? Because you're a good person. You know, that's what you do. We all have these appetites in our heart and all they do is crave more. There is no appetite that you have that will be fully and finally satisfied. 
right? That's where we started out. It's a week while we talked about approval. Last week we talked about addictions that we have and some deeper kind of things that we find our hearts connected to that are very difficult for us. Um, now, around that, we also said this, and this is where we're going to launch from today. Is that appetites will control us if we don't learn to control them. The appetites that you have for approval, for the substance stuff that we talked about last week, or the addictions that you have, and today in terms of technology, if we don't learn to control them, they will control us. And so what we're doing is we're going to talk about how we, we look at our appetite for technology in our world. Now, before we do that, I want to just kind of broadly define what we talk about when we say technology, right? Because there's technology, and then there's like the digital world or the digital age that we live in. The idea of technology is really connected to innovation and the human experience, right? So if you're in here, real quick, how many of you are wearing jeans in the room? Anybody wearing jeans in the world or in the room? Yeah, you are. Fantastic. So if you're wearing jeans in the room, that is a technological advancement that allows you to wear jeans and not one big long dress looking thing, right? That's how that works. How many of you are wearing tennis shoes in the room? Real quick, let me see that. You're wearing tennis shoes like me. Uh, yours are cooler than mine, but you have on tennis shoes. That's a technological advancement. How many of you drove? Anybody, you drove? Are you, yeah, you drove, right? Uh, how many of you, your husband drove this morning and you wish he hadn't have drank so much coffee? Anybody? Just kidding, don't raise your hand. I guess, so, you know, that's a technological advancement. Technology in and of itself is that in which the human, you know, race has really experimented, innovated, all of those kinds of things, right? And, and if you rewind all the way back, there's always been resistance to new technology in our world, right? Back in ancient Rome, you know, you have when they started to build roads all over the ancient world, there was a whole resistance to that technology at the time, right? And so with that in mind, I'm going to make a fairly controversial statement. Uh, I know I'm going to do it. If I frustrate you when I say it, give me three minutes, and then, you know, we'll track together hopefully after those three minutes. But I want you to look at this and allow yourself to feel kind of whatever you feel when you see this statement, and that's this. The technology comes from us and is expressed as a part of our human existence. Technology comes in a lot of ways from us. Now, you can make an argument that it ultimately comes from God through people into the world. Absolutely, you know, for sure. But it didn't come from aliens, right? It didn't come from ants. We made it the thing, right? Right? And it's a part of our human existence. Over time, all the technology that is a part of our world becomes a part of the way that we live. Because it's a part of our daily life. You drive a car, you ride a bike, you watch movies, you put on t-shirts, you, I don't know, all the things that you do, you know? And those are all technological advances at some point in our world. So if we differentiate between technology and the digital world, which is a part of technology, we could say this. And if that's true, the digital world isn't good or bad. It's not a dichotomy like that. It's not good or bad. It's simply a reflection of our human nature. Which means at some point along the way, as the digital space came into existence, you know, back when you had dial-up modems and AOL.com, anybody remember this? And you had this bag of cats screaming when you logged onto the internet. You remember this? And your sister yelled at you to get off the phone so you could talk to her boyfriend because when she picked it up, all she heard was, you know, whatever that is. That was the worst uh, approach for that. Anyway, so you have all those things, right? And what happens for us is it becomes a reflection of our human nature, right? All the things that frustrate you about your son or daughter when it comes to technology isn't because they're holding a piece of metal, glass, and plastic. It's because of what's happening in their heart. See, I can pull out my phone, and it's got a case, and it's, you know, it lights up, and my kid pops up on it, and it makes me happy, you know? And then it recognizes my face because Apple, 
I'm kidding. Yeah, it's got that. <laughs> no, Android did it first, right? It's not the device that makes me unhealthy. It's what's happening in my heart when I engage with the device that has the potential to wreak havoc on my life. So we can say it this way, that isolation over relationship isn't a new concept. That's since we started breathing, right? We said that distraction over productivity is not new. It just is. But here's the fun one. Comparison over confidence isn't new. Long before mommy blogs, people compared with other moms, right? These are conditions of the human existence and the human heart. So to say that technology is bad, to say that we should all abstain from our cell phones, to say that no one should log on the internet, I, you know, I don't care if you have a smartphone or don't have a smartphone or you have a computer or you don't have a computer. What's interesting to me is that if we put it just on a object, then we miss what's going on in the heart. And when we miss what goes on in the heart, there will be something else that comes along, and for you probably is, is already affecting your heart in a negative way, even if you never are connected to the internet and Big Brother doesn't know where to find you. Because it's a condition of the heart. So we can say it this way, that technological iterations create new avenues for our human nature to be illuminated. I find myself and the brokenness in myself within the context of the use of the devices that we have. There's a TV show right now on Netflix that I haven't watched, um, but I, I was so fascinated by the title. An article came out about the title. It's called Black Mirror. That was so fascinating. The idea is that when you turn on your phone or any device or computer that you have, when it goes dark and you're looking at it, what do you see? You see you. Like when you turn the TV off at night and you're looking at it, one of the most haunting things that you can discover is that there are five of you in a room staring at a box. Then when you turn it off, you just see a mirror of yourself. It's a genius title. We like to blame things on other things, but they're just things. Your problem is a heart issue. And our use of technology and interaction with technology it's after us making sure that we have protected our heart and our soul and our spirit so that we experience what God is calling us to do. So we can say it this way. That our use of technology, and I took an Andy Stanley statement and I made it fit with technology because, you know, but he's a genius behind this statement. Our use of technology is a tension to manage, not a problem to solve. Right? Tension to manage, not a problem to solve. You will not solve the problem of technology if you're trying to solve it with technology. You will manage the way that you interact with technology and manage where your heart goes in that interaction. But you won't solve it when you're looking at it in that way. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to be really open with you about the things that I feel like I'm struggling with with it, right? I'm 30-something millennial with an iPhone, iPad, a TV that I bought like nine years ago and an Apple Watch that my mom got me that I still don't know how to work, you know? But I think all of us will, if we apply these habits, all of us will figure out health within it, I think. Which means even if you're a 50-year-old woman in the room, which is the fastest growing demographic on Facebook, 
And these principles apply to you as well. So I'm going to talk through three habits, uh, and then I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how we can navigate it. So first habit is this. This is a scriptural principle that's written by a guy named Paul who wrote about half the New Testament. The first thing that we need to make sure that is a habit in our life is that we renew our mind, right? Or you renew your mind. Now, Paul writes about this in one of the most famous passages of all of Scripture. Uh, it's Romans 12, chap- or, uh, chapter 12, verse 2. Uh, and we're going to look at that in a second. But the most fascinating part of what he says in Romans 12, verse 2, is actually what he says in verse 1. It's so easy to miss, all right? So this is Paul writing to churches in Rome, people that were trying to figure out even technological advances in their world. Here's what he says. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, or in view of what you know, Christ has done for you, in, in view of redemption and grace that, that you have. Now, here's the words that are so important. To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. To, to take who you are and come to Christ open-handed, come to God open-handed and say, here is who I am. Now, this is a very difficult thing for us to look at and apply because when we see things like this, if you're not a Christian, you read this passage. If you didn't grow up in church, you read this like, that feels a little cultish, right? And I agree with you when you read it firsthand without kind of the background knowledge. Well, Paul is saying to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. When they talk about offering your bodies, this is almost like an existential sort of thing, right? It's not just saying offer your bodies or, you know, only eat salads or those sorts of things. You know, he's being healthy for sure, but he's saying this. Offer the full gamut of your human existence to God. Give of yourself. Give of your mind and your heart and your soul. Hand it over open-handedly to God as a living sacrifice. The days that you're alive and the days that you breathe and the days that you experience, you know, winter in Traverse City and then a week where it hit 40 and you're like, is this summer? And you're in a tank top, you know? Experience the full gamut of your experience when you're sitting there with an ice cream and you're like, this is all that life should be, right? When you're experiencing everything in life, when you look in the eyes of your kid, offer all of your existence, the high moments, the brokenness, the pain, the suffering, a sacrifice to God saying, I am actively pursuing death of myself in light of what is most important in your view of me. I give you it all. Our full self in submission to God. And then he makes the famous verse or phrase that he says. He says, uh, he goes on and he says this. Um, and he says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. Now, this is a fascinating phrase, especially when you read it in the original language it's written in. Not conforming a lot of the patterns of this world. It's this idea that there are like these waves that are happening in the world that everybody gets caught up in. There's this pattern. There's this cycle of what's going on in the world. Do not get caught up in that cycle or that wave of things. But instead of moving this direction with the waves, pause and stop and allow yourself to move this way. But to do that in your culture, it requires something of you. It requires a transformation of the mind. You're not conforming a lot of the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, if you were at Render for Christmas Eve, we said it this way. Um, there's this fascinating passage in, uh, in, 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 in Luke, Luke, Luke uh, where uh, it describes Mary pondering all that had happened around Jesus' birth. And what we said is that pondering word in the Greek really gets after this idea of this like staircase, the circular staircase that goes up. And what she was doing was reminiscing or thinking about and pondering over and over and over and over again 
all that had happened. And as she did, she was moving in a vertical direction, like in her mind and in her heart, in a way where it took her somewhere where she learned new things along the way. That was a long sentence. But the Greek word is, is symbolusa. That's what it's getting after. And it's this idea where you're just going constantly forward in a vertical direction while looking down at process thought and understanding in new ways all that's happened. Well, my favorite thing to do is sit with somebody who's been a follower of Jesus for 50, 60 years. And you'll hear this almost every time. I read that passage in my 30s and something stood out to me. I've read that same passage at 45 or 50 and something different stood out to me. And what's happening isn't that the passage is changing. It is what it is. But the conscious uh, movement of this process, thought, is allowing you to experience it and see it in a different way. Right? Paul says, the way to move away or get away from this wave that is carrying you one way in culture is to renew your mind or allow your mind to be disciplined to process your thoughts over and over and over and over again in a different way. Don't conform to the patterns of those ways. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he goes on, he says, then, and only then, will you be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Then you will experience the human, what is this, the, the human experience in the way that God designed you to experience it. You will live this life to the full, and it doesn't mean happy and then a drive a Benz, even though that would be great. It means you process your life in this way where you experience God's best in the broken, in the suffering, and in the high moments, and in the low moments, every bit of it. You see it differently. Which means this, that clarity on God's will or the way that you should live your life comes from purity of our minds. That's what Paul's getting after. Now here's how this applies to technology. That anything that our heart engages with, it pollutes our ability to process thought in the way that we just talked about, is causing us to move in a direction that God never intended us to go. That God wants you to ponder in the same way, to experience life in the same way, to see your life in a way where you are constantly growing, but at the same time becoming more and more fully submitted to Him. And when you do that, you experience what God's calling you to do. But anything that pulls you away from that is difficult. It's going to lead you in the opposite direction. Now, here's how it applies to social media. When you're on Facebook, or when you're on Google, and you're searching, or you're on Instagram, and you're seeing everybody else, or you're on Twitter, and you're jealous of him or her, or whatever that is, what's happening is you are not processing thought in a vertical way. You are processing thought either in a continual spin, or you're going downward, and you're not moving in the direction that God has called you to be in. Something is attaching yourself to your, to your heart. It's not a technology. It's a comparison that attaches itself to your heart. And you're not able to process the world the way that God called you to. It's that isolation from relationships and human interaction and people holding you accountable and people experiencing life with you attaches itself to your heart. And you don't experience the world in the way that God wants you to. Renewing your mind, as Paul talks about it, is leading you towards freedom. So the question to ask is how does technology or my interaction with technology either move me towards what God has for me or away? from what God has for me. And as that begins to be illuminated, then you begin to discover the habits that you need to put into place. Second habit is this, the psychological term, um, and that is self-differentiation. This falls within, you know, family therapy theory. 
fascinating things to look at. Uh, there's two big words. I'm going to say them, and then I'm going to explain them. Um, and, and they're very simple to understand, but I want to give you the actual definitions of them. All right, so uh, intrapsychic differentiation. Now, this is what we're talking about. That's a very weird way to say this, but what we're saying is this. That allows you to distinguish your thoughts from emotions, right? Now, we've all seen somebody who wasn't able to do this. She's typically in a distant aunt that shows up at Christmas or Thanksgiving, right? And she shows up, and she gives you all of her thoughts and all of her emotions all at once. Or this is when your 14-year-old daughter walks in and said, Dad, I love him. I hate him, but I love him, but I love him, but I hate him. And there's all these things, and you're sitting there going, I'm just eating a banana, you know? Like, what do I do with that, you know? And you get all of the thoughts and emotions at one time. This theory says this, right, that maturity allows you to differentiate your thoughts and emotions between the two and put one in submission to the other. That I can see things and have thoughts that are disconnected or detached from my emotions enough to be able to process things logically, right? That's intra-psychic uh, uh, <laughs> um, differentiation. All right, so let me go to the next one. Cold medicine. We're good. Uh, interpersonal differentiation. Let me explain this one to you, right? And that is this. Distinguish our experience from the experiences of others, right? Now, here's what that means, right? I made a joke about mommy's blogs. There's a whole version of this for men, too, you know. And guys, I actually asked in the first service, how many guys look at mommy blogs and our worship leader raise his hand along with me? So that's great. Uh, we both do it, right? This is when you're online and you're looking for things and you see the experience of others and you both crave the experience, but it, your craving for the experience causes you to almost dive deeper into making sure you have the experience because you just got to have it. You love your Honda Civic. It works great. And you can't afford a better car than that right now. But because you crave it, there's something in your mind that says, my experience needs to be like their experience. And so you begin to reach for those things that you should not be reaching for at this season. Now, you've experienced this on social media, right? When he tweets or she tweets or Instagram or you watch a movie on Netflix, you're sitting in front of a TV. And all those things say this. This is the genius of marketing. You should have that thing. You should be like that person. They had it. Why don't you? She looks like that at 7 o'clock in the morning. Why are you still in sweatpants? He's able to climb the ladder. Look who he met. Look what he did. Look what she did in her business. Look, look how their kids are. You know? They have perfect kids who always smile, and they put up their toys, you know? <laughs> All right. So these are the two that we're focusing on. I would say this, and this is the... the the statement I want you to kind of think about. Developing self-differentiation shows us, or allows us, to separate ourselves from unhealthy relational dynamics while maintaining relationships with others. Here's why it's so important. Your interaction with technology should be one where you are evaluating that interaction based off of your current maturity level. Let me say that one more time. Your interaction with technology should be based off of not the freedom that you have with it, from your current maturity level specifically in this area. All right? If you struggle with comparison with her, or if you struggle with comparison with him, you do not need to see their post every day in your news feed, right? I said this at the nine, you know, I, I said, there are people that I unfollow on Facebook, not because of them, but because of me. There are people that I don't look at their Instagram posts, not because of them, but because of me. Now, you pick friends this way already. Right? There are people you don't hang out with because you know that you should not. Same thing is true online. Right? And what this really gets after, this self-differentiation thing, is our identity. How secure are we 
in our identity, which is what we talked about week one. And I'll give you a quick thing because I know we said this week one, but this is what we're talking about, right? You are not a slave to the approval of others. And the more you come into that understanding and finding that out and living that way, the more mature you'll probably find yourself in that differentiation phase. The second one is you are not, or you are enough to receive unconditional love and you are a child of God. And what we said, really kind of as a bottom line that day, is will you live, right? Will you live for the approval of God or from the approval of God? Or you could flip it to relationships. Will you, lo- will you live for the approval of others or from <laughs> the approval of God? That's what we're talking about here. When you base your interactions with technology or in the digital world based off of your current maturity level and where you are. So that's that. Now, the third habit that I want you to, I really think you have to focus on, this is one that everyone tends to talk about when they talk about this, and that's this. That's portion control, right? Portion control is one of the habits that we have, have to, have to get to, right? And the easy one that I'll say, because you've got to say it, and we'll talk about it, is this. The portion control says that you should scale back, which means that you should monitor and reduce screen time by a set time. Now, this is where people, I think, struggle the most with it, including me, is I'll say I should consume less online or in front of a screen, or on my phone, I should consume less. What I don't tend to do is say I should, I should consume this amount less, right? The average American right now spends a little over nine hours in front of a screen on a day, and depending on the report, that's between seven and eight of those hours being for personal time. You're not just sitting there working, that's what you're doing. Now, here's what's fascinating. That uh, statistic is connected to multiple screens that we're in front of. Right, the other night I was sitting, again, I said this, I think I said this, I was sitting in front of my TV with our family with my Apple Watch on, my iPhone in hand, and my iPad next to me reading. I get a text on my watch that I responded to on my phone. As soon as I was done, I looked at my iPad to continue reading what I was reading, all the while sitting in front of a, of a show on TV and my almost two-year-old son sitting next to me. Now you... Multiply that time out, you're like, wow, you're weird. Yes, I am. <laughs> I am. You need to figure out, how do I get less of a multiple screen thing? Because that would greatly diminish it. And how do I spend less time in front of that screen? That's scaling back and diminishing. The second one is this. Establish attachment and detachment time. Right? Schedule time in your calendar where you, uh, where you are on and off of your screens. Right? Now, some of you actually need to put it on your calendar. Like, you need to have somebody, or you need to put it on your calendar and make sure that it's kind of where it needs to be. But I'll say this when the detachment thing, right? Because when it comes to detachment from these things, when it comes to portion control around these things, if you're like, I don't feel like I need to do that, my question for you is if you were forced to give up your phone, could you do it for a week? Or here's the more, like, cut to the heart of it, right? Because we're all, we're all friends, Right? If someone looked at you and said, you can't take your phone to the bathroom with you, could you not do that? Now, come on. Slowly give it away. You know? We can't go to the bathroom in our culture without taking our phone and being connected online. The number of adults, let me just tell you, the number of adults that take their phone to the bathroom and, and read online, 59%. And the other 40 are lying, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. Right? You need to schedule out your detachment time when you're doing it. Now, I'm going to tell you, and this is 100% our family. This isn't a psychologist telling you this. This is like 
two 30-year-olds and their almost two-year-old son, how we're trying to process this. I think these are true for you. I really do. But this is how we're working on it. We haven't figured it out yet. All these aren't fully in place, but this is what our conversation has been and what we're working towards um, in our home. And, uh, and hopefully this kind of helps you in these as well. So this is our portion control tips from the Holdens. All right, first one is this. What we're working to do is create a phone basket when, I, when we get home. Now, this is based off of me struggling. When I walk in, my son, like, will run up and, you know, he'll say, da-da-da-da-da-da, he's just constant da-da, you know, he'll run up. And there were days where I would walk in, I had my book bag, because I carry things in the book bag because I'm 12, and I, and I would do that, and I'd have my phone in my other hand, and he's running up. I would pick him up, I would look at him, and then I would have my phone. i get a text message or a phone call or something, and it is just, what happens? Rather than looking my son in the eyes, I look at that black mirror, right? And I don't want to be that guy. And so what we said is we're going to do our best to take our phones and put it in a basket when I get home. Now, that's not for the whole evening, right? A lot of you couldn't do that for the whole evening because of your work and what you do and, you know, your mother-in-law, that sort of thing, right? But you take your phone, and I think we're going to try to put it in a basket for a certain amount of times in the evening where it's blocked out, established space, that's all we do, right? That we're interacting in the analog world, right? Second one is this. <clears throat> Don't respond to notifications when you're with others. Now, this is something that I've really processed through or worked hard at over the last year, and I frustrate people all the time, in part because I'm bad at it already. But then the other side of it is if I'm with somebody, and I'm not perfect at it, and I still am working at it, when I'm with somebody, I don't respond to texts, emails. I typically screen phone calls, and I, don't, I just don't do it. So I was in a meeting with somebody. She was here uh, earlier. She spoke, Betty Dickinson. She had come in. We were watching her talk back. Then I left. We had a meeting afterwards. And uh, she goes, hey, I had a question for you. She goes, when I, I've texted like, to ask you questions stuff at the meeting, and it took you like five or six or seven hours to respond. And I'm sitting there, and I responded with, that's true. But we've been meeting for an hour, and I got 12 text messages since we were sitting here. And I didn't respond to them. And I'm leaving this meeting to go to another meeting, to go to another meeting. And, and, and that, that's frustrating. It sometimes frustrates our staff and me. And I mean, I get frustrated if people don't text me back. But I, I think for me, it's a heart thing. So that I can be present with the people that I'm with, that's in front of me. People use the analogy all the time. Somebody like walked up into your conversation and here's the, you know, let me tell you about, you know. You wouldn't just stop talking to the person, hopefully. Right? You, you wouldn't do that. So there's that interruption thing, minimizing those eru- interruptions uh, and not responding. second thing is this. Uh, I think you, uh, we work in a schedule response times in, in our day. There, there's a set time that I try to respond to email every single day. There's a set time that I do try to catch those text messages. There's a set time that I try to make phone calls, right? I can't do it all throughout the day. Number one, it would drive me nuts. Number two, um, I, I, I would not be present with people that are in front of me. Now, the last one um, that we've talked about is one we struggle with, and I struggle with it a lot. And It was the ending of that video, which I thought was so funny. Uh, we talked about it at Vertical Marriage, our date night. And, and the term for it now is called fubbing, Right? which is phone snubbing. And so if you, the last image on that video was a husband holding, you know, his wife, and he's looking at a phone while it's happening, you know. Now what's interesting is that this idea of, like, checking your phone when you're with somebody or uh, when you go to bed at night, the last thing your spouse sees is you with your phone before they go to sleep. Like, that's, that's our home, right? Emily falls asleep in 11 seconds, which I'm jealous of. It takes me about an hour to kind of wind down. So a lot of times I'll just be on my phone. And so for us, and then I wake up in the morning, and, you know, it's, behi- it's beside me in the bed, and I get emails, and what, what do you do? You reach for it, because that's where your alarm is, because we don't use alarm clocks anymore, which is good for that, you know. So you grab your phone, and you check it immediately, and you read emails. 
So the first hour of my day and the last hour of my day are in front of a screen. So this is, this is another fun stat, specifically with millennials who are either living together or married. The sexual activity in our country has diminished over the last five years. Because you're watching TV or you're on your phone and the last thing that happens before you fall asleep at night is your spouse seeing you surfing Facebook. So what we're trying to do, we're working on, and we're still talking about the amount of time, the 60 minute, 30 minute, whatever that is. The first 30 or 60 minutes of my day, I have the margin to begin and end my day without a device in front of me. That's what we're working towards. Now those are ours. I think you should come up with your own or adopt these and come up with more. But I think help is possible when we navigate it. We're paying attention to what the problem actually is. The problem isn't just this. It's a heart problem that was already waiting on you when you got it. So, to wrap up our time together today, um, I'm going to ask you to pull out your phone for just a second. I'm not going to ask you to text anybody or call anybody. But I want you to pull it out for a second. And here's what I want you to do. You're sitting there, right? I want you to just set it on your leg, your lap, or near you. If you're sitting next to your kid, you probably want to hold it before they grab it, you know. And I read you a verse last week. And uh, as I was praying through this series, this is the verse that I, I hoped you memorized. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, to be honest, I think the truth of this verse is still applicable to you. I think you're always going to struggle through it, but I think this is still applicable to you. And what I want to do is I want to read this verse together with your phone sitting on your lap. Or some of you need to hold it. Some of you need to grip it. Some of you just need to cold play it and hold it up. I don't know what you need. You need it, whatever you got to do. And I want to read these words that Paul writes thousands of years ago that connects to our heart with these devices. So I'm going to read it, and I'm going to have us read it together. So here's, here's what Paul says. He's writing a church in Corinth, and he says, I have the right to do anything. You have the freedom to do just about anything that you want to do, including the unhealthy things. But not everything is beneficial. Not everything is going to make me the dad that I want to be, or the husband that I want to be, or the grandparent that I want to be. I have the right to do anything, and he's quoting like what you would say, but I will not be mastered by anything. I will not be mastered by a device put in my pocket or in my hand. I will not be mastered by a TV. I will not be mastered by the technological advances that we find in our human existence. I will be a master of those things. So, I want to ask you to read it together. Fellas, go ahead and take a deep breath so you can sound all masculine or manly when we say it together. Let's say it. I have the right to do anything, you say. But not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, and then say this, but I will not be mastered. Some of you need to take that, and you need to plaster it somewhere where you don't ever forget it, and it's always in front of you. So with your phone in your lap, the questions I'm going to ask you are this. What insecurity, brokenness, or sin has technology illuminated in your life? What insecurity, brokenness, or sin as technology illuminated your, your life. And the second question is this. What's at stake if you don't learn to master technology in your life? Right? Every dad in the room, look at me for a second. Right? Every dad. 
Is your son or daughter? I mean, it's not a guilt thing. It's an honest thing. Are they going to have shared memorable experiences with you that don't involve a digital device? Is your daughter going to hear you say that she's beautiful and not just see it in a text message form? Is your spouse, I'm talking to men in the room, right? Is your wife going to consistently feel what it's like to be captivated by you when she walks in the room because you're not distracted? Are you going to know the freedom that it's like to not consistently compare yourself Every other person that's out there. Ladies in the room, right? Question for you. Are you going to experience the same kind of freedom when it comes to comparison? Because you disengaged from the things you need to disengage from. Are you going to feel the freedom that comes with knowing that whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a working mom or you're a part-time working mom, that however they live their life is not necessarily how you have to live yours? And that you are enough, right? Are your kids going to have shared memorable experiences with their mom without a device? Those of you who are empty nesters in the room, right? I know you love it. You FaceTime your grandkids, the whole deal, you know. Are you going to know what it's like to get to 85 years old and 90 years old in a digital age of technology? that right now is more marketed at you than anybody else. You're going to run into whatever those years are one day, closer to the people that you care about the most or further away from them. My question for all of us in the room is this. A hundred years from now, we're all gone, most likely, because we ate way too much bacon because of that appetite, right? We'll be people that look back. And we'll be people as followers of Jesus who led in our world in a way. They say they experienced health within the technological advances. They experienced emotional health and they experienced freedom amidst all of that. Or will we look back with regret because they simply mismanaged an appetite when it came to technology. So what I want to do to wrap up, um, I'm going to ask the band to come out. And uh, <laughs> here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. And I want to pray for you who are in the room and you're not a follower of Jesus. And you know, you got all kinds of questions, but you know that the technology thing is a thing for you. I want to pray for you. And that you're able to discipline yourself to find freedom. And then for those of us in the room who are followers of Jesus, I want to pray for you as well. That you find that same sort of freedom and just rest in Christ. So I'm going to ask you to stand up, and um, I'm going to pray for you. And the last thing that I want to tell you is this, and then we're going to wrap up, um, is, is this. Uh, we were talking about how we wanted to end the day, and um, I believe that when we sing together, I do, whether you're like a bad singer like I am, especially when I have a frog voice, or you're like the best singer and you secretly like, I want to be on that stage, like whatever that is, you know. There's something about people who are followers of Jesus coming together declaring something verbally that is true. And I've said this, I think, most every week of this series. But these next few minutes, we're going to sing a song that most all of us know, if you've been coming here. It's a song called No Longer Slaves. And the beauty of this song is that we sing about our brokenness in light of a God who loves us. 
desires wholeness for us. And so if you're in the room and you're a follower of Jesus, I'm going to ask you to sing it out, whether you're a good singer or a bad singer or, you know, whatever that is. And I'm going to ask you to sing it out because I do believe that there are people in the room, either other followers of Jesus or people who aren't, who need to hear us declare that we're broken people, but that in Christ we have freedom. Our technology, the approval thing, the addiction stuff, we have freedom. And then if you're, if you're here and you're not a Christian or a follower of Jesus, here's what I want to tell you. Over these next few minutes, I want you to crack open your heart just wide enough and ask yourself, if this brokenness is true, and if I haven't been able to figure out how to overcome it on my own, the next two and a half, three minutes, ask yourself the question as we sing this out. What if all of my striving is in fact in vain? What if there's a God out there and that freedom lies with him? The next three minutes, after we get done, you leave, you go have lunch, you don't have to ask yourself that question. The next three minutes, just ask yourself that question. Let me pray for us. Father, I ask that you would give us, I ask that you would give us an enormous amount of wisdom that's connected to our actions, and that you would help us to do the hard work of facing the hard problems that we already have, that technology illuminates within us, and you would help us to get after the soul-searching moments that we have. pray for every person in the room who's grown up for the most part in a culture where this is just what it was. Give us wisdom and guidance on how we navigate it. The habits that we formed when we were four or five, six, seven years old on Halo and Sip Messenger. Pray for people that uh, have come into that and they found themselves just gripped by it. us uh, to trust you enough, to be disciplined enough, and to see what's at stake enough if we don't manage this one right. I pray for every dad in the room that they would figure this out. I pray for every mom in the room that they'd figure this out. I pray for every nester in the room they would. Every high school student is the only thing they've ever known. And I ask that you would help people who are followers of you people who lead in this and don't run from it but within it run in a healthy way we give all that to you we trust you with it in Jesus name we pray amen you unravel me with the melody you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. Let's stand and sing this together. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Yes, I am a child of God. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. Oh, I am a child of God. 
from my mother's womb, you have chosen me. Love has called my name, and I've been born again into the family. Your blood flows through my veins. Come on, let's lift it up. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. Because I am a child of God. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Sing it again. Yes, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no and declare this together. Sing it. Yes, I am surrounded by the arms of a father. Yes, I am surrounded by songs of
Amen. So next time you look at your cell phone, you're going to think about, I'm going to master this device. Am I right? You going to do that? Yeah, you are. That's awesome. Hey, here's what I want to tell you before we wrap up. Next week, we have one more week of this Crave series, and, uh, and then uh, we're talking about your body and how you handle, like, physically, what does it look like when it comes to our cravings, and I'll tell you this, you know, because sometimes you're like, is that, are they just going to tell me to eat less? That's not what I'm going to tell you. I promise. So it's going to be a full, in-depth kind of thing. Uh, you know, that's really, so I'd love for you to be here, maybe invite somebody back for that. Second thing I want to tell you is this, just so as you're looking ahead, right? Uh, after that, we have Super Bowl that's kind of coming up, and that's going to be, that's, we go all out for that here. Uh, so. So if you don't like sports, you can laugh at everybody who does. But, you know, you come here for that. We'll all be in jerseys. It'll be a fun day. And then after that, this is the thing I want to tell you that's so important. Uh, we have a parenting series and a family series coming up after that. Now, this is for empty nesters all the way to people who don't have kids yet. The principles that we're going to be talking about are both around how you manage parenting, but at the same time, how you operate within uh, your family as well. So we don't want you to miss that. And we'll tell you, that's one of the series throughout the whole year that is just such an invitable series because everybody has questions about it. Uh, So I would tell you to go ahead and be thinking about who is somebody that you know that needs to be here uh, for that series. Again, hey, thanks so much for being here. If you want to connect with us, we'll be out of starting point. And we'll see you right back here next week for part four of Crave. See you soon. Thank you so much for watching online. We hope you enjoyed your experience with us today. Uh, as I just said, uh, we got one more week of Crave series coming up. We're going to be talking about our bodies and what that looks like to manage that in a healthy uh, and incredible way. So we want you to join us maybe next week for that. Uh, and then after that, we have Super Bowl Sunday. And if you're in Metro Detroit uh, or if you're here in Traverse City or Orlando, we would love to see you live. Uh, it's such a big day. We have so much fun with it. You wouldn't want to miss that experience live. Uh, so if you're interested, we'd love to see you at one of those campuses. You can find out the where and all the information, Kensington Church, uh, uh, sorry, KensingtonChurch.org, you can find that at KensingtonChurch.org in terms of finding the location for those places. Again, thanks so much for being here. We'll see you back here soon. Thanks.